The following is a message by Joel Bain, the lead pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church. I have vivid memories from my childhood of being driven up into the hills on the road to Newcastle and peering out of the window of the car and you're small so you're trying to get up and look out and just looking for mile markers. There were these little white stonish pillars that were by the side of the road and they would indicate how many miles you were from your destination or sometimes how many miles you were in terms of going back to where you're coming from. Now often the markings on them were faded and some of them were missing so sometimes you'd be looking for a while and you're not seeing one and then you spot it and it's like, oh there's one. But you know, I remember it being an enjoyable way when you're a little child in a car of just tracking the journey and just having something to do apart from just sit and drive. Two Sundays ago, as many of you know, my wife Samora and I were in New Orleans and we were visiting Lakeview Christian Center. That's one of our sister churches in Sovereign Grace. Um, I bring you greetings from the elders and the saints there. That church is one who has uh, invested in us here, in the work we're doing through their constant prayers and through a lot of financial giving. Um, their love for the gospel and for you all is evident. That visit was a mile marker of sorts, which surprised me because I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't prepared for this one. You see, I'd visited Lakeview Christian Center um, last August for the first time. And it was around two weeks before we had our interest meeting for Grace Family Church right here at the golf club. I had the opportunity then to share our vision and our plans and our hopes and our dreams for this work. This time, one year on, I had the opportunity to share with great joy, joy all that God has been doing among us. I spoke about you all and the gift you are to us, your leaders, and this amazing journey that we've been making together. As I pointed out earlier during announcements, today is an important day in the life of our church. It's another mile marker. We're setting our sights and charting a course towards becoming what a local church ought to be. And we want you to deliberately join us in that journey over the next two plus months. Now, we have watched in amazement at the way God has brought different ones of you here in different ways. And we've been amazed that you've stuck around. What God has been doing over these last many months has been refreshing and wonderful. But there are still things that are missing. And we know that because of the Bible. The New, the New Testament sorry, tells us the story of the birth of the church and we get to read letters to local churches and to leaders of churches expressing God's heart and design for local churches as we work our way through this series we want you for your part to pay careful attention and to ask any questions you have and to prayerfully consider whether God is calling you to be a part of Grace Family Church now some of you are very new to this community uh, you're just beginning to get to know us and we don't want you to feel any pressure some of you belong to other local churches and you're committed to those communities and we celebrate that commitment. But whoever you are, it's our hope that processing some of this with us will help you to have greater clarity about being a member of a local church and to be more committed to that church as well as to see the value of doctrinal clarity in the life of a local church. To begin this particular journey, I want to spend some time in Acts 2, 41 to 47 which describes the first local church. No, we don't want to idolize the early church. They had some serious issues, and if you keep reading in Acts beyond chapter 2, you start to see those coming out. 
But for all of us, our expectations and our trepidations about church have been shaped largely by what we've seen and experienced in our lives. And it would serve us all to see and to be shaped more so by how Jesus, who is building his church, modeled this first local church and, and molded it into what he wanted it to be and what it looked like to be a part of that community. It pictures for us a new normal, life together as people God has saved and given his spirit. So please give attention to God's holy transformative word as I read from Acts 2, 41 to 47. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who are being saved. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we consider what uh, may be a familiar passage to some people. Uh, help us as we look into this text to see you at work. Help us to see what your priorities are. Help us to understand what it means to be a member of a local church. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. What we just read is the end of the story of what started on the day of Pentecost. God's Holy Spirit was given just as Jesus promised, and the event was so spectacular that it drew a crowd of many thousands of people. And Peter preached to that crowd and explained not just what was happening, the event of the Holy Spirit being given and the tongues and all of these things, but he explained who Jesus was and why his death was good news even for those who had participated in his crucifixion. God moved powerfully that day, and thousands who listened to Peter's words were convicted of their sin and repented. What I'd like to do is to make some observations on the three headings about the nature of the local church which came into being that day. This description given by Luke helps us to understand the nature of the new normal of life together as the people of God. So here are the headings that we'll use. A local church is born from believing that leads to belonging. A local church is built on God-centered commitments pursued together. And a local church is marked by the work of the Spirit. So let's dive right in with the first one. A local church is born from believing that leads to belonging. Look at verse 41 with me. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. This verse speaks to believing in one phrase and to belonging in two actions. Here's the believing, those who received his word. Verse 44 describes these same people as all who believed. And what they believed was the gospel. Two things happened to these 3,000 people who believed that indicate belonging. First, they were baptized. 
As verse 38, if you look up in the text, shows they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. What that means is that they were declaring in being baptized, I belong to Jesus. Baptism is a voluntary and visible demonstration that we have responded to the call to repent. As one commentator says, baptism is a necessary sign of obedience and discipleship. We do not need to be baptized to be saved, but if we are saved, then we will get baptized. If you have responded to the gospel by turning from your sins and turning to Jesus to live with him as the ruler of your life and you have not been baptized, please talk to one of us afterwards. We'd love to talk to you about that if you're interested in being baptized. The second thing that this verse says about those who received Peter's word is that they were added. No, that's a, it's a simple verb, but it carries significant meaning. Every one of those 3,000 souls came there that day as individuals. They listened to Peter's compelling words as individuals. But once the Spirit moved on their hearts and they repented, something fundamentally changed. They now belonged to Jesus' body, to God's new covenant people. It was not simply that 3,000 people were born again. It was not simply that they had good admins, so they were counting their baptisms, so they knew that it was 3,000 people. We know that 3,000 were added because 3,000 became a part of the community of those who followed Jesus, which numbered 120 before that day. Look at the text with me. Just track through it, starting in verse 42. They devoted themselves. They were together, verse 44. Day by day, they were worshiping together, and they shared meals, verse 46. Believing led to belonging. Believing the gospel ought to lead to belonging to the community that the gospel creates. I say ought to because as Jonathan Dodson points out about where we are now, we have devolved from being Jesus-centered communities into loose collections of spiritually-minded individuals. The gospel calls us to belong to Jesus. And it also calls us to belong to Christian community. And that conversion to community is what we see here in Acts 2. The local church is not an elective in your life as a believer. It's not a course you take if you like it. And it's not one that you can safely drop. It's fundamental to what Jesus died to create. It's necessary for your growth and for your joy and for your vitality in the faith. And enrollment in this course is lifelong. You need to belong to a local church. Recently, there have been a number of high-profile, very public deconversion stories in social media. Prominent Christians who have not just walked away from their faith, but have made an event of it, made their enlightenment uh, clear to the world around them. And it really is tragic to see. But an equally tragic deconversion is when believers who once belonged to a local church drop off the radar. It often happens slowly, with much less fanfare. Their enthusiasm wanes, and then their attendance declines. Then one day, showing up in a gathering like this becomes a rare event. Now, that deconversion is usually much less alarming to people. I mean, we hope for the best. We know they're not around, but we hope that they are somewhere. We hope that they still love Jesus, even if they're not interested in church. Now, I've been in local churches 
for my whole life, and I've never seen a single person who has drifted from the local church without their faith becoming warped in comparison to what we see in the Bible, if not lost entirely. It's why the book of Hebrews connects holding fast to our hope in Jesus with encouraging each other in love and good works and with not neglecting to meet together. Jesus has saved us and brought us into his body. That belonging is expressed visibly in our attachment to a local church. Dodson warns, to reject our conversion to the church is to disobey the head and distort the body. We can't ask God to be in our lives and to fill our lives with his grace and reject one of the primary means of grace that he gives. You can't love Jesus and think little of his bride. Now, I know all of you enough, or most of you enough, to know that some of you have been hurt or disappointed or used or even wounded grievously in local churches. And honestly, I, we consider it a miracle of God's grace that some of you are even here. I regularly thank God for that. Please don't give up on the church. God means good for you through your belonging among the people he laid his life down to save. And we would love for you to be a part of this church, to help us to build Grace Family Church into a healthy and safe and nurturing community. This local church in Acts 2 was born through believing that led to belonging. But what did it mean to be growing into life together? This text reveals that a local church is built on God-centered commitments pursued together. So that's the second heading. A local church is built on God-centered commitments pursued together. In many a church, belonging looks like being on the register or in the role of members. And we often add to those lists, but we don't often edit them nearly as, as often. So in many a church, people who aren't present for both good and bad reasons are still present on the list. But when we look at this church, these people weren't merely on the register. And they weren't just committed to showing up on Sundays as if church was merely an event. Together they were committed to particular priorities. Look at verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. When it says they devoted themselves, it means that they persisted in their commitment to these four priorities. Almola comments, this verse is paradigmatic, uh, meaning it sets a standard, it gives us a, a, a measure for understanding the apostolic church and for understanding what churches should prioritize in our own day. Churches must always remember to evaluate their priorities in light of these words. Let's look at these four priorities just briefly. This community was focused on and leaning into and being shaped by what the apostles were teaching. And the apostles were custodians of Jesus' teaching about who he was and what it meant to follow him and who they were now and so many other truths. And, as Peter did in his message on the day of Pentecost, the apostles taught about Jesus from the scriptures. They were also dedicated to fellowship. The text describes their fellowship in the verses which follow verse 42. No, they weren't just cordial. They were genuinely connected to each other. They were a part of the fabric of each other's lives, interacting and learning together daily. They shared their meals and their means with each other because they were learning to love each other. 
The breaking of bread in verse 42 more than likely refers to communion or the Lord's Supper, which Jesus commanded his disciples to observe in remembrance of him. So they were committed to this means of grace, which spoke to their common need for Jesus and their unity in him. And they were committed to praying together. Daryl Bach observes, a community at prayer is something Luke emphasizes about community life. It seeks God's direction and is dependent upon God because God's family of people do not work by feelings or intuition, but by actively submitting to the Lord's direction. As a local church, we are committed to all of these priorities and, and we want to continue to grow in them. And there's lots of need and room for growth for us. Now, interestingly, the original text speaks to these four priorities in two groupings. And that's come across in the grammar of the ESV also. I'm honestly not sure what to make of the second grouping yet, but the first is revealing, I think. When you connect the apostles' teaching and fellowship, you get something like truth-shaped friendships. That points to more than having some friends who are believers. For these first believers, the Word of God was defining what it meant for them to be friends. And they were learning in the context of relationships that were being shaped and strengthened and conditioned and deepened by the truths about God and about life. So it points to the value of growing in relationship with each other as we are sitting under the same teaching. Which is why it's far from ideal for a married couple, for example, to attend different churches. It's hard to pursue Jesus together, but it's even harder when you're not being taught the same things and being loved and challenged together by others in Christian community. Now, I've had a lot of friendships that have fallen short of being truth-shaped friendships. I've failed at times to help my friends to pursue God. I've failed to help them to love the things that Jesus loves and to hate the things that Jesus hates. I've failed to gently challenge them about patterns of sin that I see because I'm close enough to see them and to remind them of the hope that we have together. But thank God I'm growing. And we have a tremendous opportunity to build friendships here that are both fun and fruitful. The friendships that we're being called to in the local church are not simply based on connecting naturally, but on being supernaturally connected through the work of Christ that brings us into the same family. Look around the room for a second. If God calls you to belong to this community, you probably will be surprised who you find that you're friends with in six months or in a year or two. And if you've been here for a few months, I hope you've already been surprised by that. God means to give us good gifts through fellowship with each other. These God-centered commitments to biblical doctrine, to fellowship, to the Lord's Supper and prayer were building this community into something that even unbelievers found attractive. But when you look at the text carefully, you'll realize that there was something before and beneath their commitments. What we'll see is that a local church is marked by the work of the Holy Spirit. So that's my third heading. A local church is marked by the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit, who was poured out on the day of Pentecost, bookends and fills this entire section we've been looking at. And when we backtrack a bit, there's more to see. Jesus, speaking of the promised Holy Spirit before his death, said in John 16, verse 8, And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. As Peter preached, that's what happened to those who would receive his word that day. 
And they were born again, which is a work of the Spirit. Again, listen to, uh, to, to Jesus' words Sorry, in the Gospel of John. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. The wind, or Spirit, blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. The wind was blowing, and his effect was evident. In verse 41, 3,000 souls were added to the church. And in verse 47, we see that the adding continued day by day, all the work of the triune God through the agency of the Holy Spirit. Even the part that these believers played, which is the, part, which is the participation that we are called to also, their consistent commitment to these God-centered priorities was the work of the Spirit in them. That's why the Apostle Paul, in writing some decades later to the local church in Philippi, would encourage them. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. We can and should work. We should devote ourselves to priorities in community because he is at work in us. But there's more. Look with me at verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. The fear of God that continually filled this community and the power of God that was seen in the apostles' ministry were both the work of the Holy Spirit. F.F. F. Bruce comments, The conviction of sin that followed Peter's preaching was no momentary panic, but filled people with a lasting sense of awe. One of the questions that's very reasonably asked as people study Acts and read through it is how normative is all this? Particularly the miraculous signs that we see here. Now we will, during the course of this series, lay out our biblical convictions about the work of the Spirit today. But shouldn't the first part of that verse be normative? Shouldn't those that God has saved from his wrath by unfathomable sacrifice have a deep and abiding reverence for him? Shouldn't we rejoice in his grace and be ruthless about killing our sin? Shouldn't we pray for and lean into this work of the Holy Spirit in our local community? Now, there's so much more here. The mutual concern, generosity, gratitude, joy, and the attractiveness of this community are all the work of the Holy Spirit. And one very important quality we see here is that they were an intimate community without becoming an insular community. Because they were still Jewish in fundamental ways, they gathered daily at the temple. In the next chapter, you see Peter and John going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was the Jewish hour of prayer. That gathering gave outsiders access to their community because you could kind of mill around in Solomon's portico and hear what's going on and see these people interacting with each other. But we also know as we read on in Acts that they were boldly speaking about Jesus to others. And the favor they had with all the people, spoken of in verse 47, seems to speak of the way that they lived among those around them. And that's the emphasis we see in the rest of the New Testament. We, we came across this in Colossians as we went through it. 
this idea that grace-filled lives make grace-filled words more attractive. All of these things were marks of the Holy Spirit on the first local church. And all of this calls us to be vigilant, to pray for, to train our eyes to look for, and to be vocal in our celebration of the work of the Holy Spirit in our local church as we journey together. Much like I learned as a child to look out for and to point out those mile markers on the road to Newcastle. As we set our eyes towards the joy of formally embracing each other as members of Grace Family Church and making commitments to each other, we as pastors want you to know that we are working to lead this gathering to become a local church where believing leads to belonging and one that is built on God-centered commitments pursued together and is marked by the work of the Holy Spirit. I'd frame the single idea that emerges from this passage and should govern our expectations about community this way. A local church is a community who belong to Jesus and to each other and pursue life together shaped by the Word of God and led by the Spirit of God. Let me say that for you again. A local church is a community who belong to Jesus and to each other and pursue life together shaped by the Word of God and led by the Spirit of God. That's the kind of church we want to be, owned by and owning Jesus, embracing and owning each other, and walking forward together with our lives and pursuits governed by God's Word as we're directed by God's Spirit. Will you join us on this journey? Let's pray. You have just listened to a message by Joel Bain, the lead pastor at Grace Family Church in St. Catherine, Jamaica. To learn more about Grace Family Church, visit gracefam.church.